Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 3 through 11, which can be found on page 1008 of your pew Bibles. Let us pray. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to your word. Let us understand what you're telling us, Lord. Let us live like you want us to live in Christ's image. These things I pray through his holy and precious name. Amen. Do not grow weary. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and life? And for discipline us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Word of God for the people of God. We've just seen where we've been encouraged to run the race that is set before us, to um, continue that, that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are bearing testimony uh, to one who is faithful and the worthiness of running the race that is um, persisting in doing what Christ has called us to do, to continue um, fighting against sin, to continue in our obedience, to continue... Um, in the, the family of God to continue uh, when things get tedious and bored and hard and difficult and when it seems like everyone around us is flourishing and not following God to continue following Jesus. And so this is um, with this that we are to consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. That is, we're looking to Christ um, the author and finisher, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We're looking to Jesus as we continue, that we remember him, um, that we, we don't just kind of muster up our own strength and say, I'm going I'm to follow Christ because I've got the willpower, but we're following Jesus and considering 
what he endured and what he suffered. We consider that we have not endured to the point of shedding blood. He has. He went to the cross. He was betrayed by his friends. He was mocked. He was scourged. He was treated unfairly. He was judged and condemned um, wrongly. And he suffered and led. He endured all of this for the prize that was set before him. And so we look at him to find our strength and to find our encouragement to continue in the faith. And then he reminds us in verse 5 of a proverb. And he says, have you forgotten this? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. In other words, remember, Scripture has promised that if you're following him, there's going to be discipline. So, we're, we're, we're in this athletic image. They're running the race, and this, this initial discipline kind of has the connotation of training, of preparing, of um, you're running a race, you don't just kind of, I mean, you don't just kind of wake up on a Friday and think, ah, I'm going to go run a marathon. You know, you, there's some preparation. Well, some of y'all might, but um, I, some of y'all can, I know. Um, Graham's running cross country, and because of the heat after school, a lot of training is getting up at 445 and driving to Oracle Park, um, meeting together at 5.30, and running up hills repeatedly. And I'm saying that with exhaustion, as though it's not Robin who gets up and drives him. But it, it wearies me to think of what they do. <laughs> but, but he goes, and he's daily, he's training us, and, and you're pushing yourself, you're doing more. As I, I think of athletes who drill over and over and over the same motions to get the techniques and get the skills down. That's discipline. And that's what we do. We pray. We don't really feel like we do it right. We pray the next day. We get a little better. We pray and we feel like, oh, I'm going to give up. And we pray and we pray. We, we come to the scriptures and it makes no sense whatsoever. We, we get a little glimpse and we continue. And the same with, I, I, I try to resist the sin and I give in. I, I try the next time, I'm even worse. I muster up strength and I try to get help and I do a little bit better by God's grace. I grow in that. This idea that we're training, we're getting better at living this life. We're, we're improving, we're running with race, uh, running the race that's set before us with endurance and being disciplined by our Lord. He's showing us how to do this. But there is also a negative sense of discipline. Admittedly, when I hear the word discipline, the picture that comes to my mind is my father's belt. You know, that, that might say something about my generation, but there's the idea of discipline being corrective, being, being grounded or, or something like that. And there is an aspect of that, that God does reprove his sons and daughters. There's an aspect where God does um, let us face the consequences of trying to live apart from him to see how it goes for us. There's an aspect where there's negative things that God allows into our life to help us grow in compassion and patience. Christ died for our sins. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, which is wonderful news. That means that when I sin, that guilt is paid for. And that means when there's evil in my life, when things that are difficult, when I, I can't say that's God extracting a cost because of my sin. 
when we face things and you're, you're tempted to think, what am I paying for? What wrong have I done? It's not that God is extracting punishment in that sense. The price has been paid. And yet, there is a sense of corrective discipline that is not pleasant, that is negative, that is for our own good, not to, to pay the price for sin, but to guide us into holiness, guide us into learning to be more like God, becoming holy and becoming righteous. It's, it's the kind of negative discipline of, have you ever had a child that was doing something and you would say, no, don't do this? And you would say, no, don't do this, and they do it. You say, no, don't do this, and they do it. And repeatedly, and eventually, you, you let them fall. You let them make the mistake and, and pay the, um, or, or see what, what happens with that. And for those of y'all who are looking like you, you might want to call DHS. That doesn't mean you let children run with scissors or touch hot ovens. It, it means if they're going to make a mistake and break something, sometimes experience and paying the price is the, thing, is the cost. And that's what God does with us. Sometimes he allows the consequence of our sin to reach us. Sometimes he allows things in our life that are not at all dealing with our sin, but just to train us in the ways of being compassionate and loving. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom a father does not discipline. In other words, when we're facing things that drive us to God, it's a sign that God is truly our Father. When there's difficulties in our life that making us show our need for Him or helping us to correct who we, who we are and what we're doing, it is a sign that He is our Father and He loves us because that's the way a father does. It is a loving father who keeps a child from running into the street. It's a loving parent who restrains and corrects. And if you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, if you're not experiencing discipline, if there's things not in your life that are driving you to God and, and training you to be a better person, that could be a sign that you're really not his child. You ever go to an event and there's a child that's just being a brat? If it's not your child, well, we're in the South, we, we, we correct other people's children, but usually we, you, don't, you don't correct as much as your own children. You, you roll your eyes and get in the car and talk to your spouse about their parents. It's the way you do that. All right, they're not your children, you don't discipline them. And this, this is a reminder of God's love for us. There's an old Puritan, Thomas Brooks, who said, um, the greatest misery, misery is not to be miserable, and the greatest affliction is not to be afflicted. Because when God condemns someone, he just allows them to go. He allows them into the fullness of their sin. He leaves them to their own selves and never brings them back. And so there's a sense in which that we recognize his love for us in that discipline. Um, but we've had earthly parents who have disciplined us, and we respected them. And one of the, one of the things I've, I've seen with kids that I've worked with in the church and in after-school programs and things is how quickly children crave discipline and recognize it as a sign of love. 
If, if you've ever worked with groups of kids, the names you remember the most are the ones you've had to call the most. But they're usually the ones that are drawn to the ones that have been the strictest and have laid their lives because they know that is because you love them and you care about them. And God loves us, and he's not going to just let us continue being uh, sinful and rebellious. And, and, and so he says, and, and then earthly fathers, we discipline for a time. You know, we, honestly, we kind of discipline until we're, our anxiety is low enough, right? Like, so, you know, after I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, um, you know, I have an idea that my kids aren't going to go crazy and do anything. Um, we, we don't do the discipline anymore. We don't correct, we don't train, we don't remind them. I don't call Keelan in Alabama and ask her if she's brushed her teeth. At eight, at eight years old, I would routinely ask her, have you brushed your teeth? That's discipline. And as a, you know, we, we just get them to where they can be a productive member of society and, and then we can relax. But God continues to work with us our entire life as we grow in holiness and righteousness. That's his goal, is to continue to work with us as we become holy and righteous. This is really good news to those, as I look and I see more white hair in my head and beard, and those of y'all with grayer hair, this is good news. As we get weaker, as your knees hurt more, as you wake up and there's just, you know, you like sneeze and you pull your back or something. As we get weaker in this, what well, good news to know that you're continuing to grow in righteousness and holiness and wisdom. You are becoming more and more because God is continuing to guide you. And even as we become weaker in the flesh, we become stronger in the spirit. And that is what we're called to do. That's the whole purpose of this discipline. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, and later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained for it. Discipline is not fun. The six months that I mowed um, every day as a punishment was not fun, but I never threw another egg in a car. It led to the righteousness that was intended. It led to the things that was as meant for. And that's, that's the idea that God wants you to grow. I don't know if you've heard, um, Nassim Tlaib has this book, Anti-Fragile. And best I can tell from the two-minute review on uh, YouTube, the concept is that there's fragile things. A light bulb falls, it's going to shatter. Um, there's resilient things. A rock falls, it's not going to shatter. There's robust things. Things can endure. You know, you, you drop certain things, you're going to put it into the floor. And then there's other things that are anti-fragile, that, that actually grow from stress, that actually difficulties make them better. Very obvious is muscles. If you just sit around, you atrophy. You go to a gym, you lift some weight, and what you're actually doing is tearing apart muscle tissue, and it heals, and it gets stronger. And you go back, and you can actually lift more. That's anti-fragile. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is our discipline is so that we become spiritually anti-fragile. This is the way sanctification works. We don't baptize someone and they sit in the pew and become holy. We don't walk up front um, at an altar call, accept Christ, and go back and immediately we become like Jesus. And what happens is the Spirit is in our life through these promises. 
and I face a difficulty in my life. And God uses that to make me more compassionate for others who have difficulties. I face a sickness that grows patience in my life. So now I'm a different person than beforehand. I, I, I struggle against a sin and I build up resilience fighting it over and over until I'm learning to resist temptation. And we become more and more like Christ as we are disciplined in the difficulties that we face. So there's a few aspects of this that, that shape us. One is, this should really shape the way you view the Christian life. Very often we kind of look at Christian life as, as, as a badge we put on. I'm a Christian. You know? That's just part of who we are. But we're called disciples for a reason. That's we're following the discipline. Our life is not just, I said, I'm a Christian, of course. It's I'm a Christian, and therefore I need to be growing in my understanding of who Jesus is and living more like him. And I look at every challenge in my life as something to overcome with wisdom and patience and compassion and mercy and generosity. And I'm growing those things so you're training like an athlete to run the race that is set before you. This also changes the way, as I look at people who don't follow Christ and seem to have all the good gifts of life, we follow those who, who don't seem to follow any kind of idea of morality, and they just seem to be having a great time, and everything's wonderful, and to look at them, and rather than saying, I'm jealous of what they have, we understand he doesn't discipline those who are not his children. It changes the perspective there. And then, Finally, we trust him. We, we, we don't understand the things that hit in our life that are unfair and are bring suffering. We don't understand why somebody is a good person and is stricken with disease, why a good person is suddenly hit in a car wreck, when a good person it deals with the things that they deal with. And yet we can trust that nothing comes to us apart from a father who loves us. And one of the things that means is we don't have to understand it any more than we understand the hands of a father grabbing a child from running into the road. They, they cry and they protest, but we can trust and love the arms that grab us as much as the child. He loves us. He disciplines us.